Hey, welcome to Bulls Gold on Nothing But Net Radio, a part of Dash Radio. I'm Edward Schuler, joined by Salim Sudawala. Salim, how you doing today, man? I'm good. I'm good. I had a good weekend. Uh, enjoying my uh, time working from home. Can't really complain overall. Uh, how about yourself? I'm doing well. Everything is everything. I'm enjoying working from home. I'm enjoying that we're getting some sports back. So, I mean, we're we're having a little bit more things to be entertained about. And it seems like we have a little bit of normalcy uh, returning to our lives, even though things are still not going great in this country right now. But, I mean, we still have a lot of things to discuss today. And joining us, he's one half of the Hoops and Brews podcast, Pavi. Pavi, thank you for joining us today, man. No problem, bro. How y'all feeling? I'm feeling really good. Good, good, man. I appreciate you uh, hopping on. Thanks for asking me. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, no doubt. So, as we alluded to, or as I just mentioned, the NBA is returning. The regular season starts back this week. And uh, fortunately for you, the LA Clippers are a part of this return. And they're going to see if their championship hopes will be met uh, later on. And Obviously, the Bulls are not a part of it, so we'll get into that a little bit later. So let's talk about let's talk about this restart. The Clippers have had high expectations all season, obviously, with Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, arguably the most talented team in the league. Where are you at right now in terms of your optimism that this Clippers team can get to the NBA finals and ultimately win the NBA championship? Um, I think they 100% can get there. Um, I think that uh, one thing that did benefit them about the break was health. Um, they had been pretty banged up pretty much all year. Like, even when the season started, I think PG had hamstring issues. Pat Bev had been banged up. You know, Kawhi low manages a lot. Um, so, they should – I mean, even they was – you know, they talked about Noah. They were going to sign Noah before the season, actually, but he mm. cut his Achilles or something like that. Yeah. And so – everybody on the Clippers have pretty much been banged up. So I guess the one saving grace for them is that they should all be healthy right now. Everybody should be healthy. I'm confident that they can do it. Um, I think that, like you said, top to bottom, I think they have one of the more talented rosters in the league. And even when I – I can't sit up here and say I've been watching all, all, all the uh, scrimmages just because I'm just not watching scrimmage basketball. I'm sorry. <laughs> when I draw the line sometimes. But – when I did, I did watch the first scrimmage that they played against Orlando. When I really like what Joe King Noah brings to the Clippers. Um, obviously, you know, you guys are Bulls fans. Like you, I mean, I think everybody knows about Joe King Noah's passing ability. Um, yeah. But I don't think Noah has ever played with this much space on the court around him. Oh, and exactly. Um, exactly. even when you put him in the pick and roll now, and, and you know, when he's going to do a short roll, I like Zubak. I think Zubak is dope. I think Zubak is going to be around for a very long time. But in playoff situations, I would trust Joe King Noah to get the ball. Um, to where it needs to go um, more more often than I would Zubak. Uh, but long story short, yes, I like their chances. Um, I think really everything just depends upon matchups, but I said that since the very beginning of the season. Let's talk about their chemistry a little bit. I know in the beginning of the season, as they were getting into it, Paul, Paul George was out. He came back. Kawhi's randomly sat out because he does his load management. That's expected from him. And it seemed like kind of in a way that Clippers were a com- like a collective talent, but not necessarily a team. I think we saw a little bit of them maybe kind of gelling and, and getting in unison before this hiatus happened. Where do you think they are, and as like I said, as far as chemistry is concerned, and now when you're talking about incorporating Noah into that flow as well? 
Um, as far as off the court, I think one thing that they all like each other, which I think is um important. Like just even being around the locker room, it seems, you know, because even last year it seemed like a very college environment kind of in a way. Um, and you worry about bringing in two big superstars about personalities, you know, in the um, locker room. Even when they brought in, you know, uh, Marcus Morris, you worry, you know, bringing in people mid-season, especially some of the things that you, I guess, seen from Marcus Morris just on the court. But when you see him in the locker room, he's a really cool guy. So I think number one, which is a good thing, that they all like each other. Like, I didn't even know Reggie Jackson and PG were best friends. I had no idea. <laughs> Reggie Jackson and PG are actually best friends off the court. As far as on-the-court chemistry, um, definitely it still needs work. Um, even when you were sitting in the press conference, sometimes, like, I think they have all the tools to be one of the best defensive teams in the league. But sometimes they don't all play defense as a collective unit. Um, so I think that's still a working process. Good for them is that you down in Orlando with a bubble, you practice every day, you know when you practice, and you really have nothing else to do besides, you know, work <laughs> on those things. So hopefully they can get it together. Um, if I had to put a number on their chemistry, I would personally say it's about 70% maybe. I don't think it's – I like, again, I, I, if I was comparing it to the other team in L.A., I think the Lakers have more team chemistry. But I think that the Clippers are a better team top to bottom if I had to, like, look at the on, on paper and look at talent. Yeah, I agree with that. I definitely think the Clippers, mm-hmm. when I coming into the season, I thought the Clippers were the most talented team just when you look at depth and, and as far as fit and everything concerned. But then you kind of saw, like, they had a lot of strong personalities. Um, and then you added guys like uh, Morris uh, and guys like that who are very, you know, like I said, strong-willed. It kind of became a, like wondering, hey, is, are these guys going to get on the same page? And it's not going to be about, you know, I need to get my touches or I need to do certain things on the court that I'm accustomed to. So, yeah, that's that's going to be the interesting thing part. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. One more thing. Also, I think the coaching staff helps. You know, you have Sam Gassell, you have Ty Lue, you have Doc Rivers. For one, all those guys were point guards. So you know how to command the team. Sam Gassell, Sam Gassell played with KG twice. So he's a personality. Doc Rivers played on the Knicks, that Knicks team, when, when they had Patrick Ewing and Charles Logan. So they dealt with personalities in their playing career. I mean, Ty Lue had to coach LeBron and, you know, that whole run. So I think luckily also they have a strong coaching staff that if anybody is out of line, they can pull them to the side. You know what? Hey, let's curb this. We all have for one goal. So Yeah, Doc Rivers is definitely one of the best leaders in this league as far as coaching is concerned. So And he knows how to – work with these veteran teams because obviously when he was time with the Celtics, you saw what he was capable of as far as letting stars be stars and knowing when to step back and when to step in when he needs to. Are any? Do you feel good about any of those coaches, Ty Lue, Sam Cassell? Are they – well, we already know Ty Lue has, has been a head coach, but what about Sam Cassell? Is he a head coaching candidate? I mean, I'm asking for a team that may have a head coaching vacancy – one day i'm just just curious i mean what do you think i think he could do it um i know i think he could do it but i think he's probably better fit as an assistant um mm-hmm. i think he's better fit as an assistant because at least from what i've seen in practice he likes to work out one-on-one with like a lot of guys like he'll for instance even when i was watching the um i think it was austin rivers had a podcast with actually sam Cassell, and he was talking about um uh i guess the work that was put in with sam Cassell. like he was with him every day practicing with him and, you know, getting his career back on the right path. Even when I see him in practice working with Paul George, like he kind of, to me, works one-on-one with guys. So I think he could be a head coach if he wanted to, but I think he probably works better in the assistant role because I feel like he likes to take, you know, one player and kind of really mentor them. Mm. So. Uh, uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Edward. So, 
let's get back into you mentioned Joaquin Noah. Like we talked about Joaquin Noah before, and Bulls fans are are obviously really excited to see Noah back on the court. One of the things that interested me the most about this Clippers team, even though they didn't have like a great like like a great big man in terms of someone who's like a little taller and you know someone like a Tyson Chandler type, and they didn't really have that type of player. Obviously, you have Montrez Harrell, who's a really good big man in his own right, but they didn't really have that that size. I guess some people kind of question that going into the season. What do you think that Joaquin Noah and Zubach means for? this team in the postseason, I mean, when they go up against a taller front court like a JaVale McGee and Anthony Davis, Dwight Howard, I mean, they have so much size up front. Do you feel good that they can, I mean, obviously they're not going to be as talented as someone like Anthony Davis, but do you think they can hold their own in a series with these guys and not really get exposed? Yes, the reason being is because most of these teams, outside of like maybe I want to say like the Bucks, maybe, I don't think many teams like punish you with their size. Like mm-hmm. even the Lakers, I don't think the Lakers punish you with their size. Yes, they are big, but I don't think AD's like AD shoots a lot of fadeaways. He's, he's he doesn't really put too much. I want to say pressure foul wise. Like I don't think he's gonna go out there and like foul guys completely out. Um, like like a Giannis could just because he's driving to the rim. You like you physically have to foul him where you can't stop him. Um, so I don't think it'll be too much of an issue. Um. Also, the one thing about Zubak is Zubak has played well. I actually – I was a component of Zubak getting more minutes. Sometimes I hate when, you know, Trez goes out there and plays a whole second half. Like, Zubak, for the for the, for the the minutes that he – he almost averages a, a um, double-double. And then, again, even bringing Noah in where maybe if you don't trust Zubak in some of these situations, I think you would trust Joakim Noah. So I think they can get away with that because I don't think too many teams, even if they do have bigs, don't really too much – punish you down low to the point where I would think that, yo, like they're really missing some large seven footer, but that's my opinion. As Edward alluded to you, Bulls fans are all very excited because Noah is finally getting a shot and it's, it's going to be pretty much an entire fan base is going to be Clippers fans right now because of Joakim Noah. That's how much loved he was in this town. Um, do you see him? Except I've like, I've watched a couple of the Clippers scrimmage and I've seen him you know, get some burn, do you think he will be one of these guys that gets consistent minutes once the playoffs actually start because maybe he does bring those valuable uh, skills that you alluded to earlier? I think he will. Now, I don't think he's going to go out there and get like 25, 30 minutes, but I definitely think you can find 10 to 15 minutes for what Joe Q. Noah brings to the game, for sure. I do. And then even with the way – I mean, Doc speaks highly of him. And, again, this was somebody that, that they wanted all along. It's not like they just, like, signed him, like, oh, okay, who else is left? Somebody got hurt. Let's bring him along. Apparently, they wanted him from the beginning of the season. So he would have been there from day one in um, training camp. So I think that, yeah, I, I I think he'll get at least 10 to 15 consistent minutes. Maybe not 15 some nights, but at least 10. Yeah, we're all hoping that Kawhi and PG can uh, finally help him get one over on LeBron because <laughs> that has never happened for him. <laughs> so uh, I have to ask because everyone's been making such a big deal about this with Lou Williams leaving the bubble, going to Magic City, getting some wings <laughs> i mean it's been all over uh, uh tv today i don't think it's that big of a deal w- what do you think about the whole situation with lou williams leaving the bubble um you shouldn't be going to magic city to get wings <laughs> now granted i've never had the food at Magic. i've never been to magic city i have been to everyone says it's great 
Huh? Everyone says it's great. I don't know. Yeah, like everybody <laughs> says the food is great. And, and, and like apparently, well from, well, from what I know about Atlanta culture, people do go to Magic City to eat. But, and Lua also has his own wing flavor at Magic City. Yeah. Like literally the wings he got with it was, was like the Lou Will lemon pepper barbecue flavor wings. So he has his own flavor wings. Mm-hmm. But you could have used better judgment. And if you do go... Why are you taking pictures with Jack Harlow? <laughs> yeah. Why are you that- taking pictures with Jack Harlow at Magic? It's, 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 especially when you're supposed to be away. Now, granted, obviously, yes, he did go for a funeral and like condolences mm-hmm. to Lou Will and his family for that. But if you're there to go to a funeral, why, if you do go to Magic City, go a little bit more discreetly? Yeah. No, I agree with that. He could he could have had them walk the wings out to him. I'm like something you know, like something. Know who he is. Then like, did you eat there? Like, did you eat in Magic City? Also, it's like Magic City isn't. I don't think strip clubs are the most sanitary place to go in general. But mm-hmm. definitely not during a global pandemic. Um, yeah. Yes, I do think people. I've seen some people in our YouTube comments like he should be far from the bubble. Like I don't not going that far. But I will say Lou Will could have used a lot better judgment in this situation. Yeah, the optics aren't good. I I, I think it, I think some of the yeah criticism is overblown, but the, yeah, he could have used better judgment and just for the sake of optics. Agreed. Especially yeah. taking a picture. Like, what are you doing, bro? <laughs> what are you doing? I mean, I, I wonder if someone else is going to repeat the same mistake, but maybe do it a little more discreetly. <laughs> I mean, I'm like sure when guys leave. I mean, like let's like, let's be realistic. If if guys leave the bubble, I'm sure they're getting in other extracurricular activities. They just probably don't take pictures with somebody who has a number two song on the Billboard Hot 100. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. So let's get back uh, a little bit more conversation about Paul George. I mean, we talked about his shoulder injury earlier this season. Uh, he's probably looked better as the season, right again, before the hiatus. Do you think that he's right where he should be with that shoulder and there's not really shoulder, I should say, and there's not really all concern going into this last few games and then into the playoff push? See, I don't know, because PG, when he came back, said, oh, my shows are finally fully 100% healthy. But then literally, remember the game when he had like 40 points his first game against, um, I think it was Atlanta? Yeah. He came mm-hmm. back in the press conference and said, oh, I got new shoulders. So it's like, I, I have no idea which one it is. But I will say, judging off the Magic scrimmage, granted, it's a, it's, it's a scrimmage. And it also was against the Magic. Now, the Magic aren't terrible, but it's the Magic and it's a scrimmage. Um, he looked better. I mean, he looked like his shot was on point. Like it was, it wasn't even hitting rim. It was hitting straight bottom. Um, so, and also I think what it's been probably a year since surgery now, I think a year since any surgery, you probably feel a little bit better. So I would assume he does, but I really don't know because like I said, PG first game back said, Oh, I got new shoulders so I can do anything. And then you get here and he says, oh, well, I wasn't 100% healthy and now my shoulder's finally off. So I don't know what to think. I think only he knows. But I think a year removed from surgery, you would have to assume that he feels better. In a playoff series, is is Kawhi going to be the primary defender on LeBron James or, or is it going to be Paul George if you had the choice? I don't know if they're going to have a... I, I, I think when you need a stop, you're probably going to throw Kawhi on them. But I think that the thing about the Clippers, which, which is why I think it will be hard for the Lakers to beat the Clippers is because they just have so many bodies that they can't throw at LeBron. Mm. You can throw a Paul George. You can throw a Morris. You can throw a Kawhi. People have laughed at me, but if LeBron's playing point guard, you can even have Pat Bev chuck him up court. You know, you can have Pat Bev pick him up full court. Now, obviously, you know, LeBron has is much stronger than Pat Bev, but you just hope that you can at least make him pick up an offensive foul or two, annoy him or something like that. Yeah. Um, so 
I wouldn't say that he's going to guard them all game, but I think that maybe if you need like one stop, like, okay, this is, you know, let's say it's, it's 30, it's 30 seconds left and it's a two point game. Yeah. I'm gonna go with Kawhi, the two time defense player um, of the year, but I don't think there'll be one primary defender for LeBron all game. I think the Clippers will show him a lot of different looks throughout the game and throughout the series. Yeah. I, I think that is a really interesting point is that the Clippers have so many bodies that they can throw at LeBron and they can guard him in different ways. And not only does it accomplish that, but it gives your star players a break when they need it or if they're in foul trouble. So you, you take Kawhi off for a little bit, even though Pat Bev is going to give up some size and, and can give up height, he can be pesky enough to give, give LeBron a little bit of fits. And that's going to help. So it, I, I think that is a big time equalizer. And one of the other things is when obviously pre-pandemic, one of the things that was discussed is that the Lakers had such a big home court advantage for a potential series against the Clippers with all the games being at Staples and the Lakers having such a big fan base. But now that all of that is out the door, how significant do you think that is playing on just a neutral floor, no fans in this series? I mean, it, it's just going to be talent for talent, no fan noise. You know what, to be honest with you, man, um, one of the last games I covered be before the pandemic was Clippers-Lakers. It was a lot more Clippers fans there than you would think it would be. Mm. Like, it was now, I, I think the very, very season opener, it seemed like it was a lot more Lakers fans there. But the last game I covered, like, the Clippers had a decent amount of fans there. Like, it was like the fans were kind of going at it. The Clippers fans might have been outnumbered a little bit, but, st- I mean, well, obviously they were outnumbered, but they were going at it with them. It's not like, you know, everything the Clippers did, they got booed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, obviously I think, you know, playing on like a, on, on, on like a neutral site will, uh, will, uh, bowl well for everybody kind of sort of, um, in like a sense, but I don't think it will be as big of it or of, of an advantage or a disadvantage either way as one would think, because again, the Clippers, they're growing an actual really solid fan base here in LA. Now they won't ever be the Lakers, but they're growing a really solid fan base here in LA to the point where it's like, you go to a Clippers game and you're actually at a Clippers game. Like I've been living in LA for six years. There was a point in time when you went to a Clippers game, you was really going to see the other team and half of the stands that was there to see the other team. Now people go to Clippers game to actually see the Clippers. So I don't think it would be as big of an advantage or a disadvantage as people once thought it would be. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting. I just think in general, I feel like teams that have depth, um, especially with role players, knowing that you're going into a situation. A lot of times in regular playoff games, there's so much electric electricity in the air with the fans, you know, screaming, yelling, and you're going to opposing team, uh, opposing stadiums. I think maybe role players probably don't play as well because of the pressure. That's not going to be here in this situation. So I feel like there'll be might be less nerves for those guys. You're not going to have that problem with guys like PG. Kawhi, LeBron, AD, those guys are, you know, those guys are superstars. Those guys are going to be superstars no matter what. But I almost feel like it might benefit these role players in a sense without any of that crowd noise and stuff like that. Honestly, I think the biggest where it benefits, like even outside of nerves, is, is actually communication. Like even I was talking, well, we uh, we were yeah, on a press conference true, with, um, with a doc earlier, and he was like, well, like the one good thing is everybody can hear me now. So I can call out things from like from from from, from you know the um, sideline. We can also hear the other team calling out things. So I think the biggest thing, even out, out, outside of nerves, is just communication. Like everybody can communicate with each other much freely. So Doc don't have to run halfway down the sideline to get a play call off. He can sit down in his seat. Yo, run this, or you know, guys communicating. You know, sometimes one of the biggest issues is 
talking to each other. If it's 20,000 fans screaming, you may not be able to hear your, 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 your teammate yelling, yelling out switch. Now that's eliminated. So I think even more than nerves, I think that's the biggest factor is teams being able to accurately communicate and, and, and freely communicate. That's a good point too. That's a very good point. So we, we've talked about the Lakers a lot. Give me one team that you think would give – that's not the Lakers that would give this Clippers team a lot of trouble in the postseason. Um, honestly, a team like the Nuggets. Okay. I think the Nuggets could give them a little bit of trouble just because of what Jokic can bring to the game. And even what I've, known, what I've noticed about Trez is Trez doesn't really like to come out and defend. Like if you have a stretch big, Trez not really trying to go out there and deal with them on you know the um three point line. Now they do have Noah who can offset some of that, but obviously if you put in Noah for Trez offensively, you lose a little bit and you lose some of that connection that you know Lou and Trez have. So honestly, I think the Nuggets. I don't think that they can beat them, but I think that they can you know give them some go. And then obviously my team that I've I've been harping on you know forever is the Rockets. I just think anytime you have a team with two MVPs in the backcourt, which is something you've never seen before, you can't completely write off that team. Now, I do think the Clippers, I think the Rockets could give the Lakers more of a competition than the Clippers, just because I think the Clippers can play small like the Rockets and maybe play small a little bit better than the Rockets can. But I do think that if Russ and Harden get to clicking, I mean, that's sometimes 40 points between the two of them right there. So I can't completely discount that. But if I had to pick two teams, like I said, I would probably pick the Nuggets and I would probably pick the Rockets. So let's switch a little gears a little bit. And you alluded to the Clippers fan base uh, growing more in L.A. And I think that has a lot to do with when you get this owner like Steve Ballmer, who is so passionate, visibly passionate. He's making an effort to actually make that town into Clippers town as well because he bought his own stadium where he doesn't have to play in, in under the Lakers shadow anymore. Um, and obviously the front office is booming. You got a really good coaching staff. Everything, you know, is working again as, as top to bottom. Now looking at the bulls, uh, they had a lot of changes this off season. They got rid of the, uh, their old front office and they brought in brand new, uh, executive vice president who were then bought in a brand new GM. What have you thought about the moves the Bulls have made so far uh, as they're, you know, going into their rebuild or retooling? I know Bulls fans hated Gar Foreman a lot. I was never on board with all of the hate. Now, I don't think he did the best job, but I think Bulls fans have overrated how bad of a job he did. Um, I just think that you, anytime a guy like Derrick Rose, who is an MVP at 21 years old, gets hurt and doesn't recover, franchises sometimes literally don't recover from that. That takes a decade to recover from. Derrick Rose is just not like popping out every day and, and you know, becoming Derrick Rose. Even if you're building a team around D. Rose, he's 21 years old. Like the team that you, you, you don't even expect somebody to be that good that quick. Um, so I don't think Gar Foreman did the, I don't think Gar Pax in general did the best job. I don't think they did as bad of a job as what people think they did. But I do think that it was time to go for them to go. Because for one, I think that just with this year, there seemed to be no real accountability in the organization as a whole. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the issue to me. Um, and then also, I think that with All-Star Weekend coming in, I think that um, ownership saw what the Bulls could be or what the city could look like if the Bulls were good again. 
And also, I think that with All-Star, we can come in. I think it'll help with free agents. I actually think the Bulls will probably get a free agent within the next two, three years. Um, I, I remember when I interviewed um, um, Jabari Parker, I think one of the things that has hindered the Bulls with free agency is that nobody spends time in Chicago in the offseason. Like, Chicago mm-hmm. isn't a place where, like, guys come and, like, hang out at so you really know what to, you know, what, what you know goes on if you if you're mid-season you're probably what going to the games probably like 10 degrees outside you're not really hanging out too much so the advantage that places like Miami even a Houston or even LA has is like guys go there and they hang out I think All-Star Weekend kind of got everybody in one concentrated area and like players who aren't used to spending time in Chicago got to go I'm like okay yo this is actually a pretty cool city like there's things to do here like I can live here I can make a life here and have fun so I think that Knowing all of that, it was probably time to get rid of ownership just to, you know, bring some new energy and just try something different. But I do still think that Bulls fans overrated how bad of a job Gar Paxton did. I don't think that they did that bad. I think they honestly did most of everything that they possibly could do, considering the fact that your 21-year-old MVP got hurt and just didn't recover in the first year of his max deal, which is what people like forget too. You mentioned Jabari Parker. And his signing at the time was a little enigmatic for a lot of fans because it was it was a combination of, yeah, he's still really young, really talented, former number two overall pick. And but at the same time, it was like, eh, how does he really fit with the pieces here? And his his run in Chicago wasn't great. But when he after he was uh, traded to Washington, I think he talked a, a little bit about how or, or maybe he alluded to how. He, he didn't really get along with like, Foreman and Paxson. Like, he wasn't really, you know, bullish on management. I think that goes back to player relationships. And you mentioned how players aren't in Chicago. They're not hanging out there in the offseason. So one of the biggest reflections that players who may be curious about going to Chicago have are the players who are from the city who play for the Bulls or the players who just go to the Bulls anyway. So when you have someone like Jabari Parker, who's, you know, not speaking highly of it, when you have someone like Derrick Rose, who kind of went out on a sour note there, it kind of, it kind of creates this bad image of, well, you know, these guys are from the city. These guys represent them. So why would I want to like, I'm going to go there. I'm going to play there. Like, how are they going to treat me? Like they're treating the, their hometown talents like this. Like, what do you think about the Bulls and just their history with bad player uh, perception? I think. Yeah. I think that they've had that long before Gar Foreman, like even watching the last dance seemed like they had that in the eighties. Yeah. <laughs> it seemed like they even had that you yeah. know, way back then. And it just culminated in 98 when literally you just let everybody walk. You just let Michael Jordan go. So I think even before then, you got to think like even what free agency the year when you had Tim Duncan, T-Mac, all those guys coming out. And that's right after they just let Mike go. Well, they just let Michael Jordan go. What they'll do to me? I'm not taking yeah. a meeting with the Bulls. Yeah. So yeah. I think it goes way, way, way further beyond, you know, forming and packs. And I think they just came into the culture. And it seems like the new ownership, I think what he he was a was, was, was he a Nike rep or something like that at, at one point in time? Yeah, Mark Eversley. He worked up the new GM. Nike. Yeah, the yeah. new GM is Mark Eversley. He used to work at Nike. Yeah, so having somebody like him who seems like he would be a little bit better at player relations um, and kind of making the Bulls more so of a, you know, player-friendly thing. I think the Bulls have always been a really, like, tough, hard-nosed organization and maybe haven't gotten with the times enough if you want to, like, 
uh, you know, slight them for anything. I think they haven't gotten with the times enough. I think this is the player empowerment era and players have more power than what they ever used to have. And I think the Bulls kind of still stuck in like the 90s sometimes when it comes to that. I think that, you know, hopefully they can change that part um, of the Bulls culture. Yeah, I guess the Bulls, you're right that they had that issue going back since the Jordan days, but Gar and Pax, they never really changed, did anything different to change it. And that's probably a little problem. And you brought up you brought up Jabari Parker. It's funny. One time I went to a game, um, and I was coincidentally the group that I was with. We were sitting next to Jabari Parker's father and his like his family. Like they were there, and Jabari Parker's father had nothing nice to say about the Bulls front office. He was just ripping them because I was at the point where Jim Boylan just decided to stop playing Jabari. They, he said they were not giving him any communication. And it made sense because Jabari was also saying, you know, they're not telling me why I'm not playing. It's just I'm not playing. And and there was issues like that. So, yeah, that those type of things, it, it makes sense. And especially when you have a hometown kid like Jabari. And granted, he's not a star by any means, but he still has uh, relationships around the league. People know him, respect him in certain levels. And then he says that, oh, they're doing this these things still. It, it doesn't bode well. So it it's 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 a reputation definitely needs to be changing in that regards. And that's gonna be a, a key part for uh Arturis Karnashovis and Mark Eversley to change that mindset that players come here and they're not gonna get treated properly. I agree, but but with the thing with Jabari is when you sign a what what was it uh was it a it was like one year, million dollar yeah, yeah. yeah, it was a two-year, $40 million with a team option for the yeah, second I mean, year. You had to know that they were looking to trade you. Like, that deal was basically, okay, we got to get this money up somehow, so we're going to pay you, and we're going to probably trade you at some point. And they got Otto Porter out of it, who I know Bulls fans feel the way about Otto Porter, but I think Otto Porter was decent. And I mm-hmm. think when Otto Porter plays, the Bulls are a better basketball team. Now, now, I'm not saying that they were right for benching the man and not telling them why he was being benched. If you're going to bench him, I think communication is very important. I think that they should have mentioned something to him. But at the same time, with Jabari, I think Jabari has to know the writing was kind of on the wall. And I think that he he came here, you know, maybe probably to expect something different out of his hometown. But realistically, when you look at the contract that, that he signed, he was, I hate to say it like this, but kind of just cap space. I hate to say it in that manner. No, well, I think the Bulls had the attention of hoping that, you know, we sign him, we get lucky here, and he turns into what he was supposed to turn into, and then he can be part of this young core, that kind of nucleus that we built. But it just didn't happen. And at that point, that's when they just handled it, uh, uh, in, like, in a bad way. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's, it is what it is. And hopefully, like I said, we can, you know, move past that and, and get to the situation where the Bulls aren't looked like that at, at that way anymore. Yeah. And I think one thing right now that's currently shaping their perception is coaching. And we were talking about this before we started recording, so I'm really curious to hear your answer. But right now, one of the big topics is the fact that Jim Boylan is still the head coach of the Bulls. Now, I think you can attribute that to the possibility that there is going to be some sort of second bubble or whatever with the eight teams that did not get into Orlando. So for me, and I, and I was telling Salim this, I'm not too pressed about it because that could be the reason he's still here. So why fire him if they're going to do that? But I think the perception of Jim Boylan is potentially going to throw off future free agents and future players because they saw 
what a joke that team turned into when he first took over with all the the wind sprints, the push-ups, the the cliches, just the over-animation. There's just a bunch of endless things. And on top of it, he's just not a good basketball coach. So what is your take on the Chicago Bulls coaching situation and how they're handling everything with Jim Boylan right now? When the Bulls lost by 55 points to the Boston Celtics at home yeah. and then came in the next day and said, we don't want to practice, yeah, that was the time when I was like, you know what? I'm not listening to anything from the Bulls players about Jim Boylan. How you lose by 55 points at the crib and then say <laughs> we don't want to practice? I've seen the Clippers lose by 10 points and go to practice the next day. You stayed in the coup because you don't want to go to practice and you lost by 55 points. You sound spoiled. So when he had them doing the push-ups, now obviously it looks high school and trivial. They probably needed it. <laughs> they seem a lot of times like spoiled AAU athletes that came in here and don't really want to work that hard. So, and again, I don't think Jim Bourne's the best coach. I, mm-hmm. I I, don't. But I do think he deserves to have one, at least a half a year, a fair shot. Even this year, they were, what, 22 and 43? But half the team was hurt at times. Like, Chris Dunn, who I think is one of the better defensive point guards in the um, league, he was hurt. Larry Marketing missed time. Otto Porter missed time. If you take three rotational players out of any, you can take three rotational players off the Clippers. They don't look the same. You take three rotational players off the Bulls, they definitely not going to look the same. Wendell Carter was hurt. So I don't think that at the same time, like, obviously, he's not the greatest coach, but I don't think that he's as bad as people think he is, even with Zach Levine complaining all the time. Or I think, like, when, when he told, yo, look at, the, uh, look at the scoreboard. I got I got a 44. That means you can't play defense, bro? So because you got 44 points, that means you can't do nothing else better? Or at the end of the game, when Zach Levine be waving off screens and just shooting whatever shot he wants to try to end the game? Like, what are you doing? So, so at the same time, I don't think that he's the best coach, but I also don't think he's gotten a fair consistently in Chicago, especially with all the the, the um injuries. And sometimes the Bulls players just seem spoiled. And I think that he's the coach that you need before you get that next coach to take you to the next level, kind of like what a Mark Jackson was for the Warriors. Because I think that they act very, very spoiled at times. Again, when they lost by 55 points at the crib and the next day came in and said, we don't want to practice, I was done. So – so wait, wait, wait. You, so you, so you would give, you would give Jim Boylan another shot, One another shot at this. I, I think you shot. make a, I think you make a decent point about the players on the team and and mindset, and I think that's even another conversation about the talent on the team because I, I don't think the talent on the team is is exceptionally high. Even though I did think that this team could make the playoffs, but. I, I think for me, at least, when I look at this coaching situation and I'm just trying to see who's going to benefit from it, and so far, the players haven't really benefited from Jim Boylan's coaching, and, and granted, I, I think there's legitimate cases that the talent on this team does not have the right mentality. I mean, you could you make, uh, make valid criticisms about Lowry sometimes. I think you could... Uh, do that sometimes with. Uh, I don't like Lowry, by the way, but continue. You're not okay. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna get into that too. <laughs> but I, I think you can make valid points about that. But when I look at player, when I look at perception, when I look at free agency, I, I, for me the 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 pluses for Jim Boylan just don't really they don't really arise from any of those. So I, I, I fail to see the value of him, even if it's just for another another season because i think at this point you already know what you have and it's not something that really anybody wants 
But see, I don't think you know what you have because they're so hurt. Like, again, mm-hmm. this team is what? Eight games, basically eight games out of the AFC. Washington has Washington has two more wins than them, and they're in the bubble right now with a chance to make the playoffs. I realistically think if the Bulls were actually healthy all year, they were a playoff team. They were a playoff team. Like, people act like the Bulls are like the Cavs. They're not. Yeah, they're they not weren't that, that bad. Yeah, they're not that bad. They, <laughs> they really, really weren't that bad. Like, again, Chris Dunn missed time. Uh, Larry Marketing missed time. Wendell Carter missed time. Otto Porter broke his foot. I swear to God, I see Otto Porter in a Bulls uniform for three seconds all season. <laughs> yeah, that, even, that was a big part, part of uh, the Bulls' issues for sure. Even when he came over last year, like when Otto Porter, the Bulls played better once he came over. They really did. So it's like, yes, I feel you as far as like people not liking him. And, and obviously, I like I, I, don't, I don't I don't think the media likes him. I don't think he says all the right things all like every time. But he's been around the league. He's been in situations where he's won. And again, I don't think that you can say, you know, what you have because people ain't been healthy for, you know. Yeah, I will say it's a couple of things with with the whole with the 55 point loss. He was part of that. He 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 was partly responsible for that. So the first time he pulled the five people, like the, the five man rotation uh, substitution, I mean, I should say that made sense because the guys weren't playing that hard. They were kind of being lazy going up and down the court. And then in the second half, he did it again, but he did it unnecessarily because at that point the bulls were playing hard and, and they actually had outscored. I, I want to say the Celtics by two points in that third quarter and unnecessarily, he subbed them out and put in a bunch of G-leaguers and, and borderline rotation players against the other team starters. So that's why Celtics just pounced on those guys. And that all of a sudden turned into a 20-point lead into a 50-point lead. Because again, you just when you go when you have guys like Campaign and and Felicio, Cristiano Felicio and other yeah, G League guys <laughs> going up against Tatum and all these guys, you, you're going to get schooled. So he he unnecessarily, I think he tried to play too hard of a role of a tough guy and unnecessarily uh, did another like five-man sub there at that time. And no excuse for them to try to do that coup. There's no excuse. And I think it was only really two players that tried to say, oh, we shouldn't go to practice. And then... I think it might have been Zach, and I think, and then Jabari might have been the other guy, and which could probably explain his um, all of a sudden the the bad relationship between him and Jim Boylan. So I think that 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 Jim Boylan did contribute to that as far as as that's concerned. But I, I would say that while Jim Boylan isn't obviously basketball stupid, he's he's he, he's a smart basketball mind because you don't. You're not going to be in this league for this long uh, without being that. But I think there's a difference between being a good assistant coach and a good head coach. And I think he's not a guy that is head coach material. That's that's just the difference. And I think I'm with Edward in that sense where I'd rather go get somebody that is going to be a good head coach that we can just from here on out when we have these young players as we were tooling can function with them and have a good relationship with them because a lot of these players for one reason or another do not like Jim Boyle. Even a guy like Daniel Gafford, again, they're young players. Uh, you talk about all these, uh, Larry, Larry Markin and Zach Levine, whoever 
they all, for whatever reason, one reason or another, are just not a very good relationship with Jim Boylan. So I think if you do want to get the most out of this young group, I think it is a good time to change. I understand all of that, and I'm not discounting that. And and again, again, I do not think Jim Boylan is a coach of this team for the future. I personally just want to see him literally get one, at least what I think would be a fair shot, and see how it goes. If he's terrible halfway through the year, and you know you got a healthy team, and he's terrible, let him go. But I just don't think he's that bad, and I think some of this can be repaired. I think there are a lot of reasons why they don't like each other because they ain't been winning that much as well. I think if you start winning games, I think that they will like each other a little bit more, and I think you can sit down. And I think. You can have conversations with the players or hire some assistants, something like that, something to get through with everybody. But I just think one more shot, one more year. If that doesn't work, have it through the year, let it go. Because, again, they I look at this team and they weren't that bad this year. Like, literally, you win two more games, you win the bubble right now. They weren't that bad. What do you, you mentioned the players. What do you think about – the players on the team, Zach Levine, Lowry Markin, and Wendell Carter Jr., Kobe White. I mean, I think those are little four popular names at the top. And how, um, how do you assess them? Uh, Lowry Marketing, I think he's Daniel Marshall that shoots more threes. Um, oh, man. People, people was calling him like Dirk Nowinski. No, I don't think he's Dirk. I think that yeah, for that. one, no. I think he's Daniel Marshall that shoots more threes. That's a, that's a 12, 13-year player, but I don't think that he's some, like, superstar. I like Zach Levine. I like Kobe White. Um, think about it is, if you I don't, I don't know if – I think if you're going to run those two together, then I think you should actually probably just play like the Rockets, honestly. Literally, I think you could if you're going to run those two together, put them out there, you know, run heavy, pick and roll. You already got Lowry who want to stand out there and shoot threes. You already got Otto. You already got, like, a live threat like um, Wendell. I think you should literally just try to play like the Rockets. Run, like, a heavy dose of the pick and roll. Um, make Kobe and Zach Levine heavy usage players and just try to run it like that. Um, I think that they have some decent pieces. I don't think, again, I don't even think that they're that far away from being a, a competitive team. I think they have decent pieces. I just don't think that they have that one guy right now. And I think mm-hmm. everybody is possibly playing one spot farther up than what they should be playing. Like, I think Zach should probably actually be a number two option, not a not a number one option. Daniel Marshall, though? I mean, man, we can't even get a little <laughs> bit more than that. <laughs> Yeah, Daniel Marshall, if he chooses more threes, Daniel Marshall would be great right now. He played too early. I'll say this. I think Lowry, um, he, the expectations both fans may have had of him were too high. He His shortcomings lie this he can't create his own offense. He's he's someone that's reliant on a system, and I think that's last year we saw the issue arise because – there weren't a lot of plays being run for him. You have to run plays for him to get him involved in the offense because he's not just going to break down a guy, and he can't even, out of the post, kind of create for himself. He gets It's difficult for him to kind of, you know, I don't know if it's like it's a core muscle issue or just technique. He maybe just his footwork is, isn't right with him. So it, may, it, it does limit him on what he can do. Um, so I want to ask you, so would you – would you say that you want to see this core get another shot or would you say that the Bulls should even maybe look into trading some of these guys right now and see what they can do with that? But I think everybody should be on the table because you're not that good. So I think everybody should literally be on the table, but no, I think they should get another shot because again, I'll say it one more time. They win two more games. They in the bubble. 
Like they weren't that bad, especially when you look at how many people were hurt this year. They really weren't that bad. But yes, I think everybody has to be on the table because they're not that good. So you have to look for deals. If somebody want to give you somebody, then okay, you know what, you go ahead and take that. But I don't want to mess up my cap room because again, I really realistically believe the Bulls can get somebody within two to three years. I do. Yeah, I think like I said, yeah, Laurie, I, I don't think he's as good as people thought he was. I, I do think he can be maybe closer to, I'm not saying the same style of play, but maybe a closer to a Gallinari type of player where he's borderline, consistently contribute, but not a star. Tell you, Daniel Marshall that shoots more threes. <laughs> Man, I got to get more than Daniel Marshall. <laughs> Daniel Marshall wasn't bad. Like, Daniel, yeah. if, if Daniel Marshall played right now, he probably averaged 17 points, 17, 18 points. I mean, man, can I get Al Harrington or something? I don't know. <laughs> no, because Al Harrington could uh, could um, create. <laughs> oh, man. So, let me uh, – all right, so look, you, we mentioned the play, uh, trading players. And I, I agree with you. I don't think there's anyone on this team that should be untouchable because, I mean, you're, you're a bad team. And when you're a bad team, everyone should realistically be available. Zach Levine has been the player with the most speculation. There was uh, news this past weekend that the Knicks and Nets have uh, looked at him as a trade option. And one of the interesting things about Zach Levine is obviously he's on a good contract, makes $19 million. So he's underpaid. He's uh, two years away from free agency. He's going to see a significant raise on that $19 million. Given that the Bulls are not good right now and they can't really maximize Zach Levine being underpaid. I, I've made the comparison to the NFL when you have a, a really good rookie quarterback, they're underpaid. You can put talent around them. You can win a Super Bowl. The Bulls failing at that, they're, they can't even get in the playoffs. So if you traded Zach Levine, to me, the chances are that you're not going to get a talent upgrade because I, I, I think they're I think his value to the Bulls is not equal to league-wide perception. So given that, would you trade Zach Levine if it meant that you're going to get less basketball return and it's going to lead, it's going to be more likely to lead to maybe another rebuild? Like, what, what do you think about that? The thing about trading Zach Levine is it would, I would have to begin for sure a lottery pick. Preferably a high lottery pick and a expiring contract. What 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 team has that? And then what team would need Zach Levine? And what team also has that? Who has a pick? Sure, going to be in the lottery and has some expiring contracts that I can get rid of that year and get some cap room. If I'm not getting that back, then now I just keep Zach. A trade I keep seeing going around on Twitter, and this is something that I I'm not sure about like if as value wise because I'm I'm terrible with trades. But I've seen with Denver because there's a connection with Arturs Karnashivas and Denver relationship. So they're doing um, Michael Porter Jr. and Gary Harris for Zach Levine because that gives Denver another scoring option on a perimeter to play off of Jokic. Jokic and then the Bulls can get like a young guy that has potential and a rotation player vet, if you will. And ma- I don't think a pick is involved just because they Denver will be giving up supposedly Michael Porter Jr. who has show, showing some good potential. Then like, nah, 
I'm if, <laughs> if, if, if I'm not getting the top, I mean, I, I don't mind the trade. But think about Michael Porter Jr. is he has so many questions health wise, and the Bulls are not necessarily a team you want to go to sure. if you got health questions. Nope. What do you just not let no that team you want to go to? They so did. I, they did fire their trainer recently, which was like long time coming. Their lead medical trainer, which Bulls fans have been harping on because this guy has been like Dr. Kevorkian, feel like. <laughs> I mean, again, it's not a bad trade, but again, I would want a, I want a, because I think Gary Harris still has like two years left on this deal with pretty much kind of like the same money that Zach Levine is kind of getting, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so I would just want an expiring contract, some I can get rid of, and like some picks. If we gonna get bad, then let's get bad. Like let's go get bad. If we gonna get bad, let's get bad. Free up all the cap room we had have. Hopefully, you know, in two years, somebody like Giannis. Let's say you know, hey Giannis, hey you playing Milwaukee? You don't like it anymore, bro. We're right down the road. We got cap room. We got picks. Come here. Nike has a Nike has a base in like uh, Chicago. You don't want to be like the face of like Chicago basketball again or something like that. So free up cap room. Get you some picks and try to go attract a free agent in two three years with basically a bare roster. At this free agent, can you know what? Give me this. Give me this. Give me this. Give me this. And you got these picks. So if we gonna if, if like I'm gonna trade Zach, I'm gonna go in full rebuild mode. I don't really want a Gary Harris. I want to pick in a in a expiring contract. But that's go, go hard after uh, Cade Cunningham. I think is that the the next big guy that's supposed to. Be I have no idea. Go hard after. after I have no idea, but go hard <laughs> after somebody, and then and and then you would have your own pick and probably somebody else's pick. So if the team that is that is you know I'm trading with can't offer me a pick that's probably going to be top 10. I Why am I doing it? I may as well just keep Zach for the time being, at least. I think the Knicks are sort of interesting. There's a connection there. Thibodeau coach Levine for a year. Leon Rose, uh, I think, has some sort of connection to Levine. And I know the Knicks want a talent upgrade. Uh, I mean, but even then, they're in a very similar situation to the Bulls where you're just trying to figure out what their path to being great is because there just isn't one there. And it's, it's just a tale of two franchises with great glory, but just they're they're not in the best place right now. But I don't know. I mean, what, what do you think about a deal? I'm not even sure the Knicks do this, but like a deal where the Knicks give up their lottery pick and then something like Kevin Knox. I don't know. What, what is that? I don't even think that would work financially, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, fill out, would, fill it out, obviously, with like contracts. But. I mean, I, I sure. I mean, I don't <laughs> know how that makes why. I don't really make sense to me for the Knicks, but sure, if you want to do that, hey, cool, and make sure hey, you want to put a top two protection on it, just in case yo, you guys are god awful. Yeah, sure. I mean, go ahead. Mm. I don't mind it. Sure, I just don't know how that makes sense for New York. But again, it is New York. New York has done a lot of things that haven't that have made sense through the years. So. <laughs> It's very true. It's very true. Uh, well, just a just a general uh, bubble talk. I know we're, we're getting into this restart of the NBA. Uh, what do you What do you see happening here? Do you think that the regular teams that are expected to be in the finals are going to be in the finals, or are, do you expect maybe something crazy to happen and maybe a, some kind of wild upset? I mean, I think well, my one sleeper team in the East is, is Philly. Philly looks a little bit different than what they look during the season. They look a little bit different putting being at the four, um, bringing Horford off the bench. Um, and B looks like he has a little bit less on him um, now. 
um, they look a little bit different. And, like, defensively, they look like they could possibly be the best defensive team in Orlando if everything goes correctly. The Raptors are a team that are finally healthy. They were also a team that was pretty banged up. Now the Raptors are finally healthy. Could the Raptors go back to the finals? I think that they possibly could. A team like the Rockets. I think the small ball thing was kind of working beforehand. It wasn't crazy working, but kind of working. And um, I don't think – I don't think unless you have a big to completely exploit the fact that they're playing small – that mean maybe some of the Rockets might be able to get away with. It. Obviously, Russ got to get back in the rhythm, but that maybe some of the Rockets can possibly get away with a team like Denver. I mean, obviously, I don't think Bobo is going to be going out there playing, you know, thirty minutes and doing the same thing that you know he's been doing in the um, scrimmages. But it looks interesting. So I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you see too many like complete, like utter surprises. But I do think there are a couple of teams that I think could maybe do something that maybe we didn't think could do something before. What do you think about the way how the NBA has handled everything with the coronavirus and the bubble and all the the quarantines? The guy, what do you think about that so far? I think they're doing the, as as good of a job as they possibly can do. I mean, obviously, there's nothing that's going to keep anybody 100 safe because it's a virus. It's like unseen. Like you can get it. I mean, you can get it sitting in the house. It seems like you know. So it seems like you don't really have to be doing too much to get it. But I think that they're doing as good of a job as they possibly can to at least somewhat ensure everybody's safety and you know i've been on the press calls everybody who i've heard talk say yo we feel safer here than we do in the outside world which is actually probably true especially in florida Mm -hmm. um so i think that they're i mean i gotta commend them i think that they're doing the the best job that they can especially with also you know the uh, social unrest as well i think that they're letting the players um express themselves which also i think was big for the players to be able to do um, is express themselves and be personalities and express themselves about things and issues that they actually care about. So I got to commend the NBA. When I look at the other leagues, I think that they're, I think we would all have to agree the NBA and the WNBA as well are doing the best job at any sports that we see. Like football, don't even have a plan yet, really. Hmm. Baseball, a whole team just basically got sick. Yeah. So yeah. I think out of like all the leagues that's playing, at least in American sports, I think that they're doing the best job. So I got to commend them for that. Yeah, I think they NBA is always well prepared as far as they they plan ahead and and that's always been the key. I think one, the one issue the players might have is I think there's restrictions on how much they can do on that social platform especially with some of these players that want to have certain messages. Obviously you can't be too crude and then last time we brought up like the fuck 12 steps up we can't have that. But that's and that was more of a joke. Obviously John Ron was joking. He wasn't serious, <laughs> but like there is like it's it's cleared as far as what you can put and what you can't put, so they're not allowing them to necessarily really fully express themselves. But I guess that's the only downfall a little bit. But overall, I you can I agree with you that as far as how the other leagues have handled it, how the other leagues have handled uh, starting the league and and making sure their players are safe, that I think the NBA is and the WNBA is handled it the best ways. I mean, yeah, you can't say, you know, whatever, but I do think that they've done a decent enough job to give them enough freedom to say most of what they want to say. Now, obviously, like you said, you can't go out there and be like, hey, yo, F12 or things like that. Like, no, nah, they're not going to, you know, even like putting, I mean, Black Lives Matter on the court. That's not, it's not like they put black power on the court or something like that, but at least they acknowledge there is a situation going on. And no matter what, when you always look back in time, you'll see this on the court. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, I mean, I don't want to say good enough, but they, they're, they're doing the best that they can as a corporation to, to, 
um, appease the players and some of their issues. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, I, I think they're going to be on the right side of history, and that's agreed. That's agreed as, as much as you can ask for. I mean, I, I do think that they should have had a better process in terms of what you can put on the jersey instead of just giving them like basically a starter kit for social activism with some of the things. <laughs> but I mean, I, I appreciate the effort, and like you said, they're it's better than what some other leagues are doing so far. Bobby, this was a really fun talk. Can you let our listeners know? where they can find you on social media, where they can listen to Hoops and Brews. Uh, yeah, so you can find me on social media at, at Pavy World. So it's P-A-V-Y World, all one word. You can find my basketball opinions on Hoops and Brews. So Hoops, the letter N, and then Brews. Um, if you type Hoops and Brews in on YouTube, type it in on Instagram, you'll find it there. Um, and also you can go on the MLG Highlights channel. Um, we, that's where we upload a lot of our um, you know, uh, um, interview clips. And you can see our coverage of the NBA, the WNBA. Uh, we try to, you know, upload like a different interview every single day. We mainly cover the Clippers and the LA Sparks. But the great thing about the bubble is they kind of just put the content in like a Dropbox and you can kind of just take it and like upload it. So sometimes we also have interviews from other teams up there as well. So, yeah. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Salim, any final thoughts before we uh, wrap up? No final thoughts. It's getting closer and closer. Looking forward to seeing how the season wraps up here. Hopefully, uh, it hopefully it does go well, and we, we can see a uh, final result with uh, someone holding up a trophy, the Larry the Larry Ob trophy, as Kawhi likes to say, uh, at the end of the season. And yeah, thank you so much for Pavi for joining us. It was a pleasure, and hopefully, we can have you on again down down the line. Yeah, absolutely. of course, man. Just 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 hit me up anytime. And thank you guys for even offering well, well for extending your hand to have me on the show. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. No, no appreciate it, man. Well, that concludes the show of Bulls Gold. As always, catch our past shows on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcast. And we'll be back next Tuesday here on Nothing But Net Radio, part of Dash Radio, every Tuesday, 9, 8 Central. So for Slings with a Wild, I'm Edward Schuler. This has been Bulls Gold, and we will catch you later, Bulls fans. Mm-hmm.